We'll open your Bibles as you remain standing for the reading of God's Word, if you would, please. To the book of Matthew, chapter number 22. Matthew, chapter number 22. And there are many professing believers today that I'm afraid live stagnant lives. Stagnant lives as far as their relationship with God is concerned. Then they never grow past their uh, comfort level. They never get to a place where they have moved beyond what they think is good enough. Many people who uh, claim Christ as their Lord and Savior get to a place of good enough and have no desire to move forward. This lack of desire to grow is due to a lack of understanding of God's love. And I want to put that out right at the very onset, right at the beginning. If I have no desire to grow beyond what I am, it's because I have a misunderstanding of God's love for me. So we want to look this morning... As we read Matthew chapter number 22, we'll start in verse 34. Matthew chapter number 22, starting in verse number 34. The word of the Lord there says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, bless now the reading of your word to our hearts. And Father, break our hearts. This morning, remind us of just how much you love us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In looking at this, I I want to uh, again make the statement for you. uh, And I believe that this is one of those statements that need to be remembered because many times we go through uh, this Christian walk and we get to a, a certain place and we, uh, we feel that we have maybe arrived or we feel that we have grown enough or, or some, somewhere along the line. Perhaps it's not even that. Perhaps it's just our, our walk has, has grown cold and, and maybe even a little bit on the lifeless side of things. We have to get ourselves back to the place where we see the love of God. Now, generally speaking, uh, the lack uh, or desire to grow is due to this misunderstanding of the love of God. And we need to understand what that means and what is taking place in that. When I say that I understand God's love, uh, but I don't know why he would, that's automatically a misunderstanding of the love of God. As we read here in Matthew chapter number 22, we come across what is referred to as the great commandment. And the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, so they came and they wanted to trip him up. 
And it says uh, one of them uh, asks, asks him, tempting him. In other words, testing just to see what he would have to say. What's the greatest commandment? Many of us have in our minds the greatest commandment, and it has nothing to do with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the way we know what we think the great commandment is is when we say things like, but I don't do that. And if someone maybe entered into our midst who was a a convicted murderer or something along the lines, and we automatically say, well, I may lie and I I may have taken some things that don't belong to me, but I don't do that. And we have automatically raised that as the main thing. Well, let's just look at it this way. If we would learn to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, the rest of it is kind of inconsequential because none of it will take place anyway. And so the, the Pharisees come along and they wanted to try to trip Jesus up and they said, okay, what's the greatest commandment? We want to know what your idea of the most important thing for us to do is. Because some of them, they, they believed that the most important thing to do was to study the Word of God. The most important thing to do was to tithe. The most important thing to do was to attend. The most important thing to do was sacrifice. But David himself said, thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. What does he say he desired? A broken and contrite heart. Why would we have a broken and contrite heart? Because we understand the one we've offended. We understand how much he loves us. And Jesus put it very plainly when he said that the great commandment is simply this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. If that's not understandable enough, I don't know what is. But he wanted to make sure that we understood that the greatest thing anyone can do, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Shema, Now, the Shema was the prayer that they would pray several times through the day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Okay? And it was something that they had repeated, and they would have said, they would have prayed. It would be kind of equivalent uh, uh, to, you know, you ask a kid, do you all pray at home? Yeah, at every meal. Or maybe uh, a child, the first prayer that they learn is, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No kid wants to go to sleep after that. If I die, I'm just going to bed. What do you mean if I die? (laughs) Are you all going to do something I don't know about? (laughs) Come on. Yeah, it, but that's what we do, right? We, we have this idea that there are certain things that we say, and, we re- and to them it was one of those repetitive things. And Jesus was trying to wake him up. I think when we talk about the love of God, oftentimes it becomes repetitive to us and we tune out. Come on, preacher man, you got nothing to tell me about God's love. I know about God's love. Tell me. If you knew about God's love, you'd be excited to hear about God's love. We cannot tune out in this. Because I feel very strongly the past few weeks that I've been putting this together have been weeks of agony in my own personal life. There have been times where I've been sitting down and I have been putting thought, putting pen to paper, and I've been reading and I've been researching. There's been an excitement and an energy that has run through me, but there have been times where I am in the middle of writing a sentence and the only thing that I can think to do is hit my knees and say, God in heaven, forgive me. I didn't, 
Didn't see it. I didn't notice that. God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Can I ask you when the last time you honestly focused in on the love of God to where you wept? He loved me that much. I can remember when my grandfather passed away. And I knew the love that my grandfather had for me. I was there. And I remember going, uh, going to the hospice house the day before he passed away. And, and he made eye contact with me. And I knew he loved me. And as I was preparing to say my final goodbye, he just looked at me with that look only a grandfather can give. Saying, I love you. I knew it. And because of the love that he had, it brought tears to my eyes. When's the last time you wept? Because God loves you. Church, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to quit being so cold and indifferent about the things of God. It's time for us to quit moving all around and just doing Christianity. It's time for us to be His. We're so enamored with doing what God wants us to do or going where God wants us to go or acting the way God wants us to act that we have not focused in on the love that God has for us. If I only focus on what I do for the cause of Christ or what I do as far as I'm supposed to follow these rules and those rules. I'm supposed to act this way. I'm supposed to act that way. I'm supposed to go here, not go there. I'm supposed to drink this, not drink that. Eat this, don't eat that. Say this, don't say that. Watch this, don't watch that. Listen to this, don't listen to that. If that's all we're focused in on, we're missing the love of God. In my marriage, if all I focused in on was, well, I gotta put my socks in the in the washing machine, because if I leave them sitting on the couch, it's good. I'm a good husband, I'm supposed to put my socks away. I've missed the point, right? My wife loves me enough to wash them. You wouldn't. But because of her love, then I start to do certain things. Then I start to act a certain way. I want you to notice something with this. Jesus points out the great commandment. And it's important for us to notice that the great commandment and the great commission are not the same. The great commandment and the great commission are oftentimes mistaken one for another. Let's let's see if we can understand what I mean by this because many people today, they they focus in on the Great Commission. God told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And buddy, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be following through with the Great Commission. I have had a track put in my hand before from someone who believed something a little more, a little different than I did. And he went to town on me about what I believed and what he believed. And he just wanted to prove to me that I was some kind of moron and you have misread your Bible and you don't know anything about well there's the love of God completely I'm doing the great commission what are you doing I'm still just loving the Lord my God 
And so we've got to be careful that we don't mix the two up and we confuse the, the great commission with the great commandment. Let's look at this for just a second. A commandment is a precept given by authority. And what's a precept? A precept is not, a, a, not necessarily an order, but it is a practical rule of technical operation. Let me explain what I mean by that. As a general rule, because of this, we do that. Let's say it this way. Um, as a general rule, and Teresa, I promise I'll clean this up later. As a general rule, what goes up must come down, Right? Because of gravity. Because of gravity, a general rule is that it will have to come back down. And so, well, what about a helium balloon? Give it a little while, it'll come back. As a general rule, what goes up must come down. This is what it means to be commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is not just an order. This is a commandment that is a rule of practical technicality. So when we see that this is a commandment, it's, it's basically, let's look at it from, uh, from the idea that, okay, if God is who he claims to be, if God did create, if God did make you and me to have a relationship with him, and if God was offended by my sin, and if God is so perfect that he can't stand to be in the presence of sin, and if God created a place to put all imperfection away from his presence, and if God stepped out of heaven, robed himself in flesh, came and dwelt on earth, and if if God died a, a horrific death on the cross for your sin and for my sin, and if God offers to you salvation, and if God cleanses you from all unrighteousness, and if God gives you a relationship with him, and if God one day has a home in heaven for you, my friend, the only thing that makes sense is to love him. The only thing that makes sense. Well, yeah, but you've got to understand something, preacher. No. <laughs> he loved us. So it only makes sense that we love him. Now, the commission, we need to understand the difference between the commandment and the commission. A commission is an authoritative command committed or entrusted to someone to do. The Great Commission was entrusted to those who love him. So, God loves you and me. As a result of that, I love him. And as a result of that, I take the commission very seriously. So it's not a, let's do one and not the other. But if we start with the Great Commission, and we ignore the Great Commandment, we've got everything out of alignment. So, the commandment here, while it relates more to what we do based on a common understanding of what should naturally occur, the commission is how we act as a result of who we love in return. Let's look at the basis of, this, of these commandments or this commandment. There are two aspects of this that must be examined. Two aspects. The first aspect is the acceptance of God's love. The acceptance of God's love. Look with me, if you would, at 1 John chapter number 4, please. 
1 John chapter number 4. And I want to draw your attention to something here because so many folks are so busy trying to get things right that they have them completely out of alignment. And it's heartbreaking to see. It's heartbreaking. Look at uh, 1 John chapter number 4. And I want you to notice a couple verses here. Let's look at verse 19 first. This is one that we often look at. We love him because he first loved us. Right? Now, go back and look at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Why do I have to love one another? Well, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now I want you to notice here verse 10 based on what we just read. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see what John is telling us here. John is letting us know that it is foundational to your ability to love that you know the one who loves. You want to know why you struggle to love people? Because you struggle to know him. Well, I don't like those kind of people. That's a misunderstanding of how much God loves you. Well, I don't want that kind of person. I was telling uh, the Sunday school teachers this morning about a, a man at a different church, different, different area completely. Irate, mad at his pastor for having a missionary to a certain part of the world come and preach at their church. Because when he was in the service, he fought against those people and hated them. at his pastor for having that missionary here. Wasn't at our church, praise God. But he didn't understand the love of God. If he understood the love of God, he would not have acted the way he did. We'll go through some of that a little bit more next week when we look at the direction of properly indirected love. But God's love must always come first because it comes first. It's easily understood, easily understood why people act the way they do. You see, people show respect toward the things that they love. They do not love God. They will not show respect toward the things of God. Think about this for a minute. And people say, well, I don't understand how anybody could act like that. I don't understand how anybody could, could want to kill innocents. I don't understand why anybody would want to abuse people like this. I don't understand why anybody, uh, why anybody would want to own another person. I can't understand that. I can. 
They don't know him. They don't love him. They have not understood his love for them. And therefore, they're not going to act in a way that is loving toward him. I understand. I understand why people are rude to one another. I understand why people belittle one another. I understand why people are selfish. I understand that because they they do not understand the love that God has for them and therefore they have never responded to that love. And as John wrote down here, he that loveth not knoweth not God. Well, I, I know God. But I just don't love that kind of person. Or I don't love this kind of person. I won't ever love anybody that put that kind of thing out there. I won't ever love anybody. That... Listen, this is not Andy Lake's words. This is God's word. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. That ought to wake some of us up. That ought to cause in us a a, a twisting in the stomach. And here's what happens is when I hear something like that and I think to myself, how dare he say something? I have to face the fact he's just reading God's word. And I have to come to grips with the fact that if I have some sort of deep-rooted lack of love or lack of desire to be nice to someone, I don't want people like that around me. I hate them. I'm better than them. Guess what? I don't know God. And it's time for us to quit dancing around the subject. It's time for us to wake up. I'm tired of hearing preacher after preacher, sermon after sermon on, it's okay, you can stay just like you are. You don't have to like people, it's all right. Just move on about your business and you can still have a mansion in heaven one day. That's not what my Bible teaches, I'm sorry. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get serious about some stuff. We can either get offended or we can address it. God loves purity, holiness, truth, life, so forth and so on. When I love God, I love what he loves. If I don't love what he loves, chances are I don't love him that much. I've told you before, I hate shopping. I loathe it. I thank God every time I get online and I can shop via Amazon. I don't care what you think of the place. But when that driver pulls up in the, in the yard, I get just as excited as some of you all get when you go to the mall. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to the mall. <laughs> just went. Love it. Love it. I'm telling you, if there's every day I got to do the grocery shopping, I'm finding mail order food. Well, I guess I can't. I'm, I'm going to order steak online. I'm going to order hot dogs online. That's probably all I have is meat. Meat and taters, right? But guess what? I married a woman that loves to shop. I married a woman that loves to go to the mall. And I just look and I just think to myself, oh dear God in heaven. Somebody says, hey, 
let us watch the kids for a little while. You all can go have a date. <laughs> awesome. COVID hits. You can't go to the movies anymore. What do you want to do? Let's go shopping. I hear that little four-letter word, mall. And I get sick to my stomach. And I just, you, in the distance, you can hear, dun, 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 dun. But guess what happened? I fell in love. And I don't mind going shopping with her. I've taken my daughter shopping because I love her too. Now, understand something. I don't use the term hate a whole lot. Like, I hate shopping. But because I love her. Because I love her. I'll go shopping. And I'll put up with it. And you know what? I actually kind of like it when I'm going with her. I'll hold the bags for you. I'll follow you around. And I'll tell you everything you put on looks good. Yeah, girl, that looks good. That looks good, too. Why aren't you getting that one? That one looked good. I'm, I, I'm that guy, yeah. I'll, I'll do it. I enjoy doing it. Because of her. I want you to see this, that believing... And receiving God's love is so vital to the Christian life that you will never be successful in the Christian life until you understand the love of God. You will not be able to have success. Success in the Christian life depends on this. It depends on coming to know the love of God. And apart from that, I, I, can't, I, I can't move past that. It'll always be religion. It'll never be Christianity. It'll never be Christ's relationship. It'll, never be, it'll always just be religion, what I'm supposed to do if I never get who I'm supposed to be loved by God. If I don't get that, I'm never going to be able to move on. Many today have an improper or even backwards view of God. There's a lot today in Christianity trying to earn God's love. They're trying to do enough. Trying to be good enough. Well, uh, maybe God's not blessing me because I, I haven't been praying as much as I should. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe God has not uh, answered my prayers because I've not been reading the Bible uh, as much as I should. Oh, you know what? I wonder if maybe I up my tithing game a little bit. God, God will start to uh, give me and bless me more. Or, or maybe, maybe if, I, uh, if I, I, I need to stop listening to this kind of music or I need to stop watching this kind of television. Stop! Quit trying to earn his love. You cannot earn the love of God. 
It is a free gift. He offers it to you, not on your merit, but on His merit. He is that gracious. He is that merciful. He is that good. He is that loving. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Stop trying to earn it. There's nothing you've got to do to get the love of God. He offers it freely. God is not impressed. God is not going to react to your display of love by loving you. Other way around. He loves us and then we respond to that. See, God's character, all of his character, his grace, his mercy, as well as his justice and his wrath is wrapped up completely in his love. People get, they'll get upset. Um, Why doesn't God step in and stop atrocities from happening? You know, the same folks that have that complaint complain when he does. How could a God wipe out the Canaanites? He gave them over four centuries to stop sacrificing babies. And then he steps in to put a stop to the atrocities. And people go, oh, he should have just let them do their own thing. His love is the foundation for who he is. His love was made manifest. The Bible says here, we've been in John, 1 John chapter 4. Notice what it said in verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now, if this hasn't been exciting, this next part ought to wake up a couple folks. So if you got somebody sleeping next to you, put an elbow in their rib, say, hey, check this out. This is going to be good. Not because it's me, but because it's God's word. Go to Romans chapter 5. I want you to look at Romans chapter number 5. Now, this is a well-worn verse. Many of us have memorized this verse. We have quoted this verse. We have, uh, uh, we've taken people, uh, person after person, to this verse. We've studied it. We've quoted it. We've sung it. We've tattooed it on our wall, whatever. I want you to see what is being said here. Because for the first time a few weeks ago, I saw what it really said. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I give you an English lesson for a moment? The word commendeth. The modern version of it would be commend. Is not the same 
word that you would use today for commend. Today, commend is something like a pat on the back, I commend you, and, or, a, or, or maybe even a giving of something. But in the 1600s, when the King James was translated, it meant something different. And the last person to use it this way was Milton in 1644. And it's the last time that we have seen it in print. Now, generally, most people say this, and you've probably said it, I know I have said it. Well, that's a big word that means God demonstrated or showed his love. Can I let you know that's not the case? The word commend is not demonstrate or show. It's the same word that is found in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul says, I commend unto you our sister Phoebe. He didn't say, I demonstrate Phoebe. He didn't say, I show Phoebe. And so what was it that he was saying there? So you go back and you look into uh, to what that word commend and what the, uh, what the original Greek word meant with this. And the original Greek word brings to it uh, an idea, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, an idea of exhibiting. If I go to an art exhibit, I don't have someone just going, that's art. No. I have them putting a display out, and they put lights showing, and they make it look as beautiful as they can. They dim the house lights, and they put spotlights on. They make sure that the lights are the certain kind of lights because they don't want to take away from the, uh, the picture or the painting or whatever it is. And they put this in a display. And they let you see it for all its glory. This word for commend is the Greek word, sunistemi. And it means to present or to exhibit, but not just here. I purchased, back in 2005, a ring. I purchased it for a young lady. Now, I could have said, hey, I got you a ring. <laughs> oh, that's romantic. <laughs> got you a ring. Or I could have just told her, hey, um, got you, got you, uh, here. <laughs> this is the ring I got you. Okay, you see, that's a ring. It's round, and it's got a rock in it. And you wear it. Okay. No, that's a demonstration, right? You take a ring. No. What did I do? I had everything scheduled to the minute. I called the restaurant, Brio, Italian restaurant down in northern Kentucky. And I talked to the manager and I said, buddy, I have to be walking out the door at a quarter till. I need to be walking. Do you hear me? I need to be walking out. He says, I got you, man. We'll take care of it. And I said, okay, I get a hold of one of those guys that have the little horse and carriage. And I wanted a white one because she loves the princess movies, just princesses. And so I found, I said, you got a white one? He says, yes, I got a white one. I said, all right, can you pick me and my fiance? Because that's what she's going to be when I walk out the door, buddy. I said, can you pick us up at a quarter till? 
right in front of Bria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got you, man. Got it taken care of. I had friends there. We had a photographer. I had a young man bring up a tiara, put it on her head. I had a young lady bring up a dozen roses, put them in her arm. I mean, she is blown away. She has no idea what's going on. And I take that ring, and I had taken it to the jeweler before. That day, I had taken it to the jeweler, and I said, polish this puppy. I want it shining like it's never shined before. And I had him put it in that black box and it had the velvet all around it. And I came out and I got down on one knee and I opened that box and oh, you know, it was just one of those moments. And I said, would you do me the honor of marrying me? I commended that. Now let me read to you. Romans 5, 8, with that definition of commended in mind. But God, placed on display in the most miraculous and glorious way possible, His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no question in my mind he loves me. And he said, I'm going to show you the best way I know how. And he put himself on a cross. Laid his life down. To show you he loves you. God's love being placed on display in this most astonishing exhibition. To present this worthy of acceptance or to regard consideration, attention, directed towards something, to set off to advantage with added grace or luster, to adorn, This is what that word is telling us. He didn't just show it. He adorned it. His love. On display for you. While you were a sinner. Not because you got your life straightened out. Not because you started tithing. Not because you started attending church. Not because you started teaching Sunday school. Not because you handed out enough tracts that month. No. While you were a filthy, rotten sinner, He died for you. And until we get that, we're always going to struggle with the Christian life. You see, many find it difficult today to show love to God because they do not understand His love for them. So the second thing that we want to look at, and we'll be closed, is our response to God's love. Our response to God's love. When you know that you are loved, it's easy to respond with love. I do not respond with love when I don't know that I am loved. 
if you've been with me for any amount of time and I've talked about marriage, you know about that crazy cycle. Love and respect, Dr. Emerson Eggerts talks about it. Without love, she will respond without respect. Without respect, he will respond without love. It's just a vicious cycle, right? But my willingness to serve is increased by my understanding of the love from the one I am serving. The more my wife pours out love on me, the faster I'm willing to put my socks in the hamper. Or I'm willing to take care of the dishes. Or tell her to sit down. I'll, 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 do the, I'll cook the supper today. But the love that I have for him is expressed this way. Let's just put this all the way up, Allison. Let's just put all of them up there. Thank you. The love that I have for God is expressed this way. Willing obedience. You see, God is the source of life. He designed man to live in submission to him. Man was created not to rule over God, but to rule under him as an under-shepherd. God is not our errand boy, so let's quit treating him as such, and let's just love him. We show our love by honoring and worshiping him exclusively. Listen, I trust more in God than in any other person, any object, any system or idea. I trust him more than I trust how much money is in my bank account. I trust him more than I trust whether or not my wife is going to be happy with the decision I make. I trust him more than I... When he says do this, I just do it. And I trust him. Abiding in him, completely dependent on him, I abide in Christ. (laughs) Remember what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I've got to stay there with him. And I thankfully trust him, even in grief. It's one thing to trust him, it's another thing to do it thankfully. But I thankfully trust him, Lord, I thank you that you're still in control and I thank you that you're going to use this for my good. We do not thank him for the cause of the grief, but for his presence and his teaching In the grief. And then last. I believe despite my feelings. Remember this. Feelings do not always agree with truth. Oftentimes my feelings are against the truth. But I believe him. And so when God's word says, I need to do this, or I need to do that, and I don't feel that that's right for me, or I don't feel that that's the best way, or I don't feel comfortable with that, if God's word says to do it, I believe him anyway, even though I don't feel like doing it. If you struggle with any of these issues, Please know you're not alone. Please know 
that many people sitting right next to you also struggle with these as well. I struggle with it sometimes. And I have to remind myself to go back to the love of God. When I find myself low and I find myself wondering, are you even hearing me? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. He loves me. Love me enough to die for me. I think he loves me enough to listen to me. Love me enough to die for me. I think he'll take care of food. Love me enough to die for me. I think he'll help that relationship to mend. Loved me enough to die for me. I don't think he's abandoned you. Last question and we're done. And this is the question that I think we need to walk away from here. Honestly examining ourselves. Honestly trying the best that we know how to be honest. Do you truly know the love of God? Do you truly know the love of God? If you don't, as kindly, but as urgently as I can say, meet Him today. Maybe you've been in church for a millennia. I don't know. I've been teaching Sunday school longer than you've been saying Sunday school. (laughs) But maybe you just don't understand the love that God has for you. But something today clicked. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Or about what anybody else is doing. You follow him. She loves me. And all God's people could say what? (laughs) And I love her. And it doesn't bother me when we're out in public for me to kiss her on the cheek. Hold her hand. To pat her backside. That doesn't bother me. Because I'm not worried about who sees my love for her. So don't you worry about who sees your love.